0: Everyone and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 186, Corora. Recorded March 29th, 2015, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. Element OP Productions. Dot com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. I am your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockrell, and joining me this week, as always, are your two stalwart co-hosts, Chris, the command line godfather needs, and Seth, the GUI Kid Anderson. Hello, gentlemen.
1: Hello, everyone out there in Internet land. I hope you had a great week, because I know I didn't.
2: And hello, everyone. It is great to have you around the computer screen this evening. Or morning or noon or night whenever you're listening.
0: Hey, Seth, can you rotate that mic? That blue light is shining right into the camera and creating a bit of a J.J. J. Abrams effect.
2: I'm no longer calling them lens flares.
0: They're J.J. J. Abrams effects.
2: There you go. Well, the problem is the screen... Uh, the
0: It <laughs> actually doesn't have at all. But it didn't? now it looks red now. Well,
2: so that's awesome. Well, but, you know, I mean, it's the... <laughs> It's the button for the mic there. Is that better? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, um, for
0: just those of you who are in uh, interested in the smartwatch world of a Moto 360, I've talked about it before, and, and uh, typically I get anywhere from 15 to 18 hours of battery life out of it. But every now and then something will happen, and it'll just go, <laughs> and I haven't figured out what that is, but I came down here about an hour ago. And it had 15% battery left, which which typically would last uh, anywhere from three to five hours. And uh, just a few minutes ago, it said shutting off out of power. So something sucked 15% out of my watch in in less than an hour. These are the things that happen in these first-gen devices. Um, It happens every now and then. Uh, This hard reset will actually fix it. It seems to be that the fix is a hard reset. So I think it's a, a locked process or something like that that... You know, the old the old Magic reboot, reboot fixes. But if you've got a Moto 360, you know what I'm talking about. Every now and then, it just decides no battery for you. Hmm.
1: Now, is it just when you get down to low battery, or is it, like, one day you'll just notice the whole day the battery's just, like, gone quickly? Quicker no, than it'll normal? be,
0: like, I'll, I'll last uh, 20 hours on a charge on Tuesday, and on Wednesday, which is pretty much the same day, I'll get six hours, and it's dead, and I've got to recharge. Huh. Um, that is weird yeah it just it 's it 'll be fixed I have no doubt it 's a software problem, not a hardware problem hardware is much more consistent than that um, but you know it 's one of those things
2: well unless it 's yeah. the intermittent failure preceding a total failure, so you know maybe it 's a solely developing hardware problem
0: i you know that 's entirely possible it would have to be something related to the battery um, i don 't know We'll see. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, I, I also wanted to uh, uh, wrap up uh, or, or touch base with circle back to um, actualize, visualize, other buzzwords. Um,
2: the the cano <laughs> project. Uh, I said uh, no. We never put a pin in it, Mark. You're going to have to table that till uh, later.
0: Can I? Do I need to oh, uh, create an S bar for that and uh, bring it back to steering?
1: I think every time oh, we, every time so. we we bring up those terms, we should all drink. <laughs> <laughs> so it would make the show a whole lot more entertaining i think
0: i um (laughs) i I ordered as i said a cano uh for my my daughter uh it came uh i ordered it sunday night right doing the show it came on tuesday very quick turnaround and i didn't have time to do anything with it until friday so i sat down with my six-year-old and said build a computer um the uh, you know as as was stated the the project was created for a six-year-old that six-year-old was I'm gonna say a little more advanced than my six-year-old she needed some help not a lot uh, but the instructions uh, while picture uh, picture oriented uh, needed some uh, they had quite a bit of text with it um, and she was unable to read all of the big words but in the end about f- 10 or 15 minutes, we assembled this Pi with the case, and it's a neat little uh, case, and I'm pretty sure that they sent me a Pi 2. Um, oh, really? I, I, You know, he had said previously that they were looking into that, uh, but this case and this device doesn't look like the Pi B that I have, the couple of Pi Bs that I have, but it looks a lot like the Pi 2. It's got four USB ports instead of the... Uh, um, uh, video out the you know the little yellow rca looking jack it's got a mm-hmm. uh, a headphone jack that does all three which is on the pi 2 so i think i think they started just sort of quietly slipping in pi 2 uh twos into the mix i'm not sure um, interesting uh. I didn't take the time to look at the board or anything because uh, I was I was working with my kid. But everything's very colorful. So there's a big uh, uh, bright yellow VGA uh, or HDMI cable, a bright red power cable, um, a blue speaker cable, and the case has an integrated speaker built into it, uh, which is would be necessary if you were using uh, a monitor like a a PC monitor without speakers. In, in my case, it's redundant because the sound also goes over the HDMI. And so we were hearing this little echo thing where the sound was coming from two sources. So we just unplugged the speaker. Um the the difficult difficulty she had was in lining up the back plane into the little slot for the case. You know, it's understandable. Oh. She's six and that's fine motor skills. Um but in the end, we got it all hooked up, we we plugged in, and the very first thing when the screen came up, my two youngest daughters went, Minecraft! They recognized the icon. <laughs> And that's all they've done with it. Um, and so it's, it's, can I play, can I play Minecraft? Um, and so that's that's the thing. It's it's the Minecraft computer. It's also it you know it's got a web browser. It's got YouTube, uh, which I thought they would gravitate more to the YouTube, but they have their tablets for that. So um, yeah, right. And so yeah, that's. I just wanted to report back. It's been a, a raging success. My kids have been very excited about it and looking forward to using it. And the older sisters, when we went to church this morning, were telling everybody they saw my little sister built a computer. They were just so proud. That their cool. their six year old sister had built a computer. So cano project is a win as far as I'm concerned. Now will will the <laughs> will the excitement linger? I don't know. But it's there now. And we haven't even we haven't even logged on to the cano world yet. Uh we haven't gone that far. Huh. So
1: Well it's it, well that's a good sign though that she's all over it the whole family is evidently
0: yeah, so it was just friday like i said that we had the first set of tennis to play with the day is sunday so it's only been a couple of days but the excitement is there and i and the moon the the machine lives up to its billing it is a simple device that a six-year-old can put together uh and has tools that kids like so yay cano cool. cool so seth you had some guys coming out to decide whether or not you could have true broadband how did that go
2: yes um see People around, around the, my part of the world are just going to learn to listen to me when I tell them computer stuff because it worked. I can get service and, um, I would already have it, but I have this, um, Hawaii trip planned that is pretty much consuming all of my money. So it looks like it's going to be a little bit of time, but they're just going to come out and hook it up and I'm probably going to get the four meg package. I don't know. I'm, I mean, and then, you know, then it's Netflix and, you know, people forget that I am a real person and I'll just exist in the digital ether somewhere. Uh, So I would definitely recommend Seth
1: go upgrade your router. If you're going to go with it and you're going to start doing Netflix, you'll see a big
2: difference. I don't know. I, I bought, I didn't buy a cheap router when I bought one. So I think, I think mine can handle it. Um, I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, you know, and then, I might have to buy another Xbox cuz I could do online gaming again. It's just it's not a, I almost wish they would have said sorry, no internet for you. Um but yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah cuz right. Now you can you'll have to get back into the your Xbox Gold membership and and uh
2: right. And I'll yeah. I'll be able to like do st- I mean I won't just set it to computer going it would be nice if I could watch a YouTube video or I want to download an ISO and play with it this week. You know,
0: you thought you you had bettered yourself and gotten, gotten rid of some of some of those bad habits. Really life got those bad habits out of your way for you. Now that they will be back, uh, (laughs) you'll be degenerating to the Seth of 1990
2: again. Oh yeah. Uh, He he never left. (laughs) I just, um, instead of playing, you know, like a solitaire on my computer, I'll be playing solitaire on some website. <laughs> that, there you go, so, connected gonna, solitaire. Yeah, uh, and Words you know, friends. comparing my skills to everybody else's out there. But yeah, so I am, I am going to have real internet, and then I don't know. I might even try to do the show from my house, but something tells me with my family that'll work like one time. So, yeah, uh,
0: because your dad will be calling up, you know, wanting you to do something my- during the show.
2: I love my parents, but my mother does not know how to turn on the TV. She, um, Because, you know, she doesn't understand that this remote has the capability to control four different devices, and so she just reaches her hand down and picks it up, and when I hit a button, it's not the satellite button that lines up, it's the auxiliary button. And I tried to show that to her, so she has hit TV on the remote and put the TV on Channel 11 instead of... And then she's changed the input from, like, antenna to something you else. You have to have a flow so, sheet to watch TV. Yeah, Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, did she click this button? No. Did she click this button? No. Did she, oh, she clicked this one. And then she clicked <laughs> this one. And, okay, Mom, here's channel 11. Please don't ever turn your TV off. I think I'm going to get her, like, a little uh towel or something that she can just lay over the TV screen when she's done.
0: Logitech so. Harmony, my friend. It will change yep. your life. It's going to cost you the money. You're going to have to drop 150 $200 on it. But I'm telling you, it's worth it. There's a big LCD screen with a section of it, a whole corner of it that says TV, and you push that, and everything just does all itself. Logitech Harmony, do it. Hmm.
1: I am this, this close to doing one of, doing more one thing of those. To
2: spend money on Mark. I'm too cheap. I'm telling you, so.
0: it's worth it, especially yeah. with with children and elderly. They're essentially the same. When it comes to technology, they randomly push buttons without any understanding of what it is. Uh, yep. When I got my first Logitech Harmony, my, at the time, 18-month-old, could turn on her, um, you know, Groucha, uh what's the Elmo videos? Yeah. All right. by herself. That was a huge win. I got back, like, if you add it all up, I probably got back nine to ten months of my life when I bought that thing over the years <laughs> in, in little 50 and 70 second bursts of setting things right. You
2: got to do it.
1: Yeah, I would agree I, with that. You just got to. At this point, you just
2: got to. Just, I want to be out of debt like one month. Seth, you got a birthday month. coming <laughs> up.
0: I will buy you a Harmony Remote for your birthday. How about that? <laughs>
2: uh, man, I don't know. That's a lot of money. But if you want to, I mean, I, I, won't, uh, I won't turn down. <laughs> So, okay, yes. Uh, but, yeah, so Internet is coming back to the uh, Anderson abode.
0: So, Seth. Very uh, nice. Uh, Chris, I'm interested in your experiences with the black blood of the earth coffee.
1: Well, I have not yet tried some because it was commandeered by my wife. Um, they had a big martial arts get-together this weekend, and they uh, all sampled the black blood of the earth. And It almost gave one of them heart palpitations in the middle of the get together. So, um, what was it? There was the great the grandmaster of the system was there. There's four ma- I think there was three masters there, something like that, and a whole bunch of black belts. And it was so well well taken that they want me to get as many business cards from them as I can and send them out because that's, they want to order lots of that's it.
0: That's expensive sampling at that point, isn't it? Every time somebody takes a shot, you're like, there's eight bucks.
1: Yep, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's it's back in my home fridge, so I'm going to end up trying... I'm going to take a shot of it in the morning to see what it's like, to see if I can handle it. Because I know... Last time I tried coffee, it almost made me sick. So we'll see. But I had to laugh that it was so well taken that people want me to reach out to the guy and see how many business cards I can get.
0: Well, before you do that... Let me print some business cards for you for my version of black butter of the earth.
1: Well, you never sent me a sampler. I never did. Come on now. I'm supposed
0: some, to. I have a relatively fresh batch. I, the the difficulty is in shipping it. You've got to mm-hmm. ship ship it cold and keep it liquid um and that's you can either like overnight it or you can try to super insulate it. Uh, mm-hmm. and pay for either way you end up paying that's why black butter of the earth is so expensive right so it's like 70 dollars for the bottle and another 35 for shipping
1: um no this one I it wasn't a very big bottle so it wasn't quite 70 dollars for the bottle but yeah it was expensive for the shipping that's right. what surprised me
0: because you're shipping a liquid perishable product cross-country yep. that's expensive anyway that's well, the reason i make I, my own because his was yeah. too
1: expensive I'm curious though to see how much it's going to cost because they say you can refill the bottle. So I'm curious what the refill cost would be.
0: Well, the way that works is you send it back and he marks like on the bottle he marks an X, and so when you get to X numbers of Mm -hmm. refills, he gives you a free bottle. Yeah, so it's like buy five get one free kind of thing. Right. Because the bottles are expensive too. Um, I've looked at those, and if you're buying less than a thousand, uh, it's like three bucks a bottle. So it's it's expensive to buy a good bottle. Uh, and then it's expensive to, to to get the little styrofoam mailer that he sends it in. Um, so that's yep. that's a that's a significant portion of the cost of the product.
1: So I'm, that's why I kept the shipping packaging. So I'm curious. I'm curious because I you know it's one of those things. If you know if if I can't get a Mark Cockrell sample, then I'll have to keep going to Black Blood of the Earth.
0: <laughs> I, it's only been a year since I offered it to you. What, why are you in such a hurry?
1: I don't know. That's not me right now. It might be though once I try some.
0: <laughs> All right, um, I, I I just want to take a few minutes to say I took my family yesterday to see uh, Home, the new uh, DreamWorks okay. animated feature uh, movie. It's good. It's not you know uh, Big Hero Six or How to Train Your Dragon, but it's good. It's a solid eight and a half nine out of ten. Um, good. Uh, Jim Parsons is basically Sheldon in the form of an alien it's essentially the same character oh uh, slightly oh, less I'll annoying and more cuddly uh but good movie worth seeing glad i did uh, of course i went opening weekend so every screaming crying snot nosed kid was in the theater i saw it on the in the big theater the um, not the imax quality but like the next step down giant two-story screen stadium uh, seating sure um and which is great. One of the reasons I like going there is they turn the sound up so loud it blocks out the sound of the kid screaming behind me. He was <laughs> still kicking my seat uh, every couple of minutes. But uh, what is what is going on with parents today? Parents, parent your children. Parent is both a noun and a verb. Parent your children. That's all I have to say. Yeah,
1: that's. Uh, I'll second that. George the last Bush. time I went to a. <laughs>
0: What does that have to do with anything? Oh, everything's his fault. I forgot.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the last time I went to a movie theater, I had the same problem. We were watching um, Event, no, not the Avengers. What was that? Uh, Ga- Guardians? Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Good and word. there was very, a very good movie. And I went to the similar type of screen. It was their their big D is what they called it, and it was the two story screen. Um, but I had some little runt behind me screaming and kicking every time. There was a flash or a boom or something. So it was, it almost ruined my experience, but it was still good.
0: All right. We've got a lot of stuff here. We've got a lot of show for you. So I'm going to move on. But uh, moving into the um, listener feedback, I want to start with addressing several pieces of feedback from several different people. Yes, I did screw up the chronology of Voltron, but Seth corrected me right in the show. Right, He went to Wikipedia, he looked it up, and yes, the cars came uh, second, the lions were first. And I had it backwards. (laughs) Stop sending me emails, people. (laughs) I know I got it wrong. We fixed it right away. The show, before the show was even over, we already fixed it. Yes, I got it wrong. I was wrong on Voltron. Moving on. (laughs) Stop sending
2: me email. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Me and Chris should try to just screw up something so bad and see what (laughs) level of uh, mistake we have to get to to generate a blip (laughs) oh that's awesome (laughs) mark could say episode 178 i mean 186 and boom it comes it so it blows up people
0: Uh, it's just that that property clearly has some mind share in in the in the audience because they all were passionate about their voltron and, oh, and yes. i you know i said it was like a hundred cars and seth came back and said no i think it was more closer to 25 i must have got six emails that said it was 15 cars and there was the land uh, uh par- portion and the sea portion and the air portion
2: okay got it Dude, i mean come got on it. Either the cars or the lions get their butts whipped for like twenty minutes, and all of a sudden, (laughs) form Voltron. Yeah. Why didn't we do that to begin
0: with?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No kidding.
0: The same with the Power Rangers. You know, just just form the the big thing, or whatever it is they do.
1: And
2: I don't even remember what those are called anymore. Zords. That's a good thing.
1: Yeah, Zords. I don't know if they're still called Zords, but they were.
0: Yeah. So the the volt the lion Voltron. It was row beasts. And the yep. guy would always create. It was it was very much like spoiler alert, uh, Pacific Rim. We're going to create exactly one row beast and send it at you, and then the next week exactly one row beast and say, send two, and the party's over. But no, we we can't do
1: that <laughs> every week. We wait send a month one.
2: to send four, and you own them. <laughs> That's right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. See, we we'd we'd be good um, evil geniuses then, because you know we'd be like wait. If we make send one, they kill it right away. But four wins. Ah, we'll wait.
0: I I'm just glad I didn't get something wrong about Starboysers. Uh, the it would never end. Oh,
2: oh dude, I would I wouldn't have let you. You wouldn't <laughs> have finished the sentence. I could still sing the theme song if you want me to.
0: And sadly, I can too. Um, uh. We're leaving Mother Earth. We're to save the human race. Yes, a um, bit of uh, listener feedback from Door. Uh, we have a, a, some voicemail. He also sent a voicemail about Voltron. His was, of course. Uh, his was thanks for bringing back great memories. So he wasn't quite Aww. yelling at me, although he did redirect me to the Wikipedia page about the order in which things <laughs> came. So it was both thanks and uh, an uppercut to the to the jaw. Um, sure, I can. <laughs> but this next one, they. <laughs> You're welcome. What, Seth, help me remember. We were, there were six guys in college sitting around. We were watching a movie. I forget the movie, but there's a scene in it where this, there's a flood of some sort and there's a guy hanging onto a bad guy, hanging onto a building. Good guy is under the water, presumably drowning. And he comes up out of the water with a punch and hits the guy and knocks him off. And I go, sure you can. And everybody laughed because it was just one of those perfect moments. Um, and that just came to my mind when I did that.
2: <laughs> I, I don't recall yeah. what movie that was.
0: It's it's sad that I know I uh, had uh, dinner and played poker with some guys Friday night. That was always fun. Uh, and they talked about something about Street Fighter and they were talking about the guy with the, with the long arms and the long legs. That was that their was description. With the, with the long arms and long legs. And I was like, oh, and I said his name and his powers and where he was from. And then I stopped myself and said, I just went into over the geek edge right there. <laughs> I spent hundreds of hours playing that game. Oh, me okay. too. On to Doors voice, Voicemail, where he takes me to task for a flip-flop on the pie.
3: C- Let me tell you something, brother. Let me tell you something, brother. Eight months ago or whatever, a year ago, i was paying you guys with the raspberry Pi, and I got nothing but grease from Mr. Fox Company. And now, apparently, he likes the pie. That's cool. You know why? Because the pie is cool. Granted, the pie, Two is now like four or six times more powerful than the original pie, much, much more usable. Um, I've heard a lot of people having a good experience using it as a front end media catcher, if you will. But, I'm gonna tell you guys right now, there is only one box out there you're going to find with true dual gigabit NIC for less than 200 bucks. And I sent you guys an email to it. It's the Banana Pie R1. Open router. It has uh, I'm not looking at it. I'm going to phone with you. I believe five ports, one public facing LAN, four interfacing LANs, all of them gigabit Ethernet. You can install Android on it. Open box. Couple hours. Put the link to the, the OS download. Uh, you can find dual NIC boxes that are more complete boxes, which are going to spend typically around 200 bucks. Hear me now, believe me later. Anything uh, like the Raspberry Pi dual neck is very unacceptable to me. Go ahead and try it for yourself. All
0: right. So uh, the audio was pretty poor on that, uh, if you didn't hear all of it. He told me that uh, he was espousing the pie eight months ago, and then I jumped on the bandwagon. And at the time, I said the <laughs> pie wasn't anything. And now I. So let me set the record straight. At the time. When the pie first came out, I said it's going to be great for the hobbyist, but it's not going to be a general-use PC. I still maintain that. I am, by the way, a hobbyist. I own three of them, but they're not for general use. Um, yes, I have uh, two of them running as media centers, uh, but they're too unpredictable. They're too, they're too finicky for me to trust them like it, it, once a month at the, at least sometimes three or four times a month i have to do something i have to hack something there's an off there's an update there's a there's a thing that has to be done i still don't believe that grandma approved you you want that go get a roco stick or a, an amazon tv the pie yep. is great for what it is for a hobbyist to create projects using uh, a low-powered system on a chip I I believe I've been consistent about that message, um, and if I didn't believe in the pie, I wouldn't have owned one for the last several months. Uh, so anyway, the Banana Pi, yes, is a much more high-powered uh, computer, but it's also more expensive. the 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 beauty of the pie is that it's thirty bucks, and it's it's expendable at that point. Uh, you you get the banana pie and you're looking at 175 180 i haven't priced them recently but they're in that range um much more powerful but you're paying a lot more for it so right. I, I you know I, I put the banana pie one step above the Arduino. excuse me the raspberry pie one step above the Arduino. um it's a it's a good cheap chip for uh project do it diyers uh, uh hobbyists to to do stuff but it's not it's not anything else, and I don't think it'll ever be anything else. Even the Pi too. it just isn't going to be anything else. What At least
1: not. I think there's a. I think you're pretty close to being right, Mark. I'm. I'm sure that the hobbyists are going to use this thing to make, you know, who knows what else that 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 they're going to make this thing into. Um, I think we're going to see the Pi and anything based from the Pi not start becoming more than a hobbyist thing until probably the next version because then it'll be at the point where it's in parity with the power of a a tablet or a cell phone. So then we'll be able to see more and more apps being developed in a way that um, the Raspberry Pi 3 or whatever it's going to be called will actually hit mainstream and actually be used for something like as simple as um, maybe a home automation system I could see that happening. Um, I just don't think they're quite fully baked for Grandma Approved yet.
0: Let's see. I just did a quick search for Banana Pro because I want to try to get my numbers right. And quick, you guys say something because I'm not finding any prices. That's never good <laughs> when you've got to no, go a couple a banana of banana pages deep. The The
2: Banana Pro. The Banana Pro. Ah, okay. Well, Mark, I, you totally glossed over the whole, let me tell you something, brother, next week at WrestleMania. I mean, <laughs> he was, it was a perfect lead in and set up and you just totally glossed over that. And you went all serious Sorry. with this uh, voicemail. So I just wanted to call you out on that while you were <laughs> vamping for pricing. But, uh, no, and well, and also I think we also pointed out that a lot of the issues and issues might be the, uh, deficiencies is probably a better word, of the Pi. A lot of those were addressed with the Pi 2. And for single one-off appliance type things, I think the Pi 2 can be very dependable. Um Just let the software now have a chance to catch up and get optimized for it. And I think for single issue type things, I think it'll be, I think it's there, uh, especially... You know, say the next generation of software for the Pi Two, basically next week, I guess, as fast as they write that stuff. Uh, and then it's good; it's solid for a lot of use, a lot more uses.
0: Okay, so on Amazon, the Banana Pro base model is fifty nine dollars. Okay, fifty nine is fine. It's it's nearly twice as much as a Pi. Uh, well, maybe. Because uh, a pie, a banana, a raspberry pie is like thirty five, so we'll call it seventy percent more. That's still perfectly reasonable, but I I don't know what the various. I haven't done enough research to know what the different models are, what you can buy. But the the first one I found on on Amazon elementopa.com slash Amazon was was <laughs> fifty fifty nine dollars. So that's that's reasonable. That's fine. In fact, I would um, certainly consider that. Uh, in my Boris Box uh, project, to see what happens because if you're going if you can pay you know sixty to seventy percent more and get four hundred percent the uh, performance, well that's that's a no brainer, right? Um, but anyway, just wanted to to get that out there. I'm not anti pie. I've never been anti. I like pie except coconut cream. Never been a big fan. <laughs> um, but I still think it's hobbyist and not mainstream. And I just don't think there's a place mainstream for this product. There's a place for people to use this to make mainstream products, but the pie itself, be it banana or raspberry is does not have a place in the mainstream. I just don't think it does
1: well I, uh, and like I'm saying, I think it'll be when it can be to the point where this will run like a version of Android or that and not just run it as in oh look, I can run Android, but it's quirky, but Android will run full stream on it um. I think that's what we're waiting on. Well, we have actually- that.
0: We have that in the form of like the game stick and the and the there there are devi- the Chromecast, you know, is that. So we we already have devices that do that. They're single purpose devices. They're not multi-purpose. Yeah. Uh and I think most people don't want a multi-purpose device. Uh, there's just not a market for it. It's called a smartphone. That's our Android multi-purpose right. device.
1: Well, and I think it'll, it I think that we'll see something eventually. I just don't think it's here yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, somebody, somebody smarter than us will brainstorm something and be like, this will be perfect on the pie, and then everyone will want one. We just don't have that. I'm not that type of a product guy. So, Okay, I'm moving on
0: with the listener feedback. We got uh, several this week, so I, wanna, uh, I don't want to just blow through them. I want to give them the attention they deserve. Topi. T-O-P-I. I'm guessing that's how you spelled it. Um, writes in to say, hi, I'll be honest. I'm not a person to contact random people on the internet, but I decided to make an exception with you guys. We're about as well, random you. as you get. I've been enjoying your show since last May when a friend of mine recommended it to me. Thank you, friend. Sadly no kidding. Uh, Steadily, EDL has uh, been rising to my listening queue, and I can't wait to see a new episode each week to listen to. There's also a fun thing that happened, partly thanks to your show, and I wanted to give credit where credit is due. Thank you for making me realize I could take a leap and pursue a career in IT after years of setting the idea aside. I've been tinkering with computers since we got a Commodore 64 when I was four years old. And I got into wow. Linux when when the first versions of Ubuntu came out way back when. Uh, but through a lot of twists and turns, I ended up as a Bachelor of Culture and Arts and working with people with disabilities in a school that rehabilitates people that have lost their ability to work in their field due to illness or accidents or born with disabilities that limit their options and, or ability to learn. I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I kept my hobby of computers and technology. And in general, even though I was lagging behind and getting rusty uh, it, with my tinkering, like tends to happen to things you do if you don't maintain it and keep improving your knowledge. Then, last summer, I lost my job due to funding cuts, and the organization changes and I kept looking for work in my own field, but somehow, my heart wasn't in it this time. I ended up working random bit jobs to support my family uh, all through the summer and autumn, and finally had to uh, to stay home unemployed. Uh, during the summer, I had been listening to your show, and one day, I listened to the Black Lab Linux episode that relet the proverbial fire in Linux and technology that had been waning over the years. Uh, that same day, I installed it on my PC at home, and I had so much fun relearning the things over the next few months that I started to co- reconsider my options in job searching. I talked with my significant other and, uh, about how she would feel if I took a risk and started again from the bottom. She's been very supportive, and I've been able to get the hang of things again. Now, through a lot of luck and bravely submitting an application just a few weeks ago, I got a full-time employment as a first-level technician in a support company that provides multiple services in the IT field. I got lucky that I'd been relearning things, and when the guy, uh, they had an extensive test on technical knowledge in Linux-based systems, even though I don't know everything, they thought I had good grounds for them to take me on. They weren't looking for a specialist, but more of a personality that would fit their work environment and is willing to learn on the go. It's not a glamorous job, but I've been having a lot of fun problem-solving and learning these past few weeks. The people in the company are very helpful and fun, so it makes for a great work environment, and no one is expecting me to know stuff right away. I really feel like I've made the right choice, and even though it's a long road to get where I want to be in this field, I at least got the chance to start walking the road. I know it's been only a short while, and it's always possible that this particular job work won't work out on the long run, but I still know that there's another option for me just one thing uh, for me than just the one thing I've been doing so far. I'm also planning on enrolling in a Linux academy once my family is back on its feet since we've been very tight on funds since I was unemployed. My partner has been the one uh, home with our daughter and expecting our next child in three months. Well, congratulations on that. So thanks for a great show and for giving me the spark I needed after such a long time of not considering this an option because, quote, life got in the way. I hope this works out since I'm willing to work hard and I really feel I've made the right choice. Sincerely, uh, keep cool. up the great work. Sincerely, Topi. So thanks. That's a. Uh, it seems uh, silly to say, but that's why we do the show. That's what yeah. the kind of stuff that we're hoping for.
1: I'm glad that that he was able to take that risk. I know a lot of I have friends and, and acquaintances that are probably never going to take that risk and try something out of the box like that. So, kudos for you and your partner to to take that that leap of faith and have it turn out. Good stuff.
2: Really good.
0: All right. And uh, dovetailing with that, you talked about working uh, with uh, people with disabilities. See, I'm probably going to get yelled at for this. Uh, S-winged Seraph says that I used autistic as an insult. Here's what he says: Hello, I really do enjoy your show, and I've been listening to it for several weeks. In a recent episode, it was mentioned that one of you was, quote, more autistic than artistic. I would really appreciate it if you did not use autistic as an insult. I, along with I'm sure many other people in your audience, am autistic, I have Asperger's syndrome. Does not mean that I'm stupid or incapable, simply that I think differently from neurotypical people. Check out some neurodiversity theories for more information. Uh, Well, Winged Seraph, I did not mean to insult you in any way, nor do I feel that the term autistic is an insult. Uh, First off it was me that said that secondly it was a funny play on words autistic artistic the the, people who are autistic are not known for their ability to express themselves well and clearly and when it comes to art I cannot express myself well and clearly I thought it was an appropriate use of the word was not intended to be an insult I don't consider autistic an insult it is just a fact uh yeah so anyway just wanted to get that out there uh i don't i certainly didn't mean to imply that you or anybody else who's autistic is stupid just different and that's lots of people are different
1: we're all different all
0: right that's all there is to that uh josh thinks we should start a new podcast forget all the linux tech, or anything else i've tried to explain that we are not a democracy but a republic for so long now i've almost given up you've explained it very well in just a couple of sentences thank you thank you thank you it's time to start everyday politics
2: <laughs> yeah, there you go you, um, you know mark. we can do that next week josh if you will go to uh elementop.com slash patreon and put a couple of zeros after a 1 uh then you know maybe we can get started with that
0: <laughs> i i i don't want to call out any names but there were two people recently who who put in the patreon for like tens of dollars per show and it, it blew me away Very cool. most most people do a fraction of a dollar per show or you know a dollar or two at most uh but these two guys uh i'm assuming they're guys did did like fifteen twenty twenty five dollars per show, and that just blew me away. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for that.
1: That is awesome. I, I really it is. just just from me personally. I never expected anyone to ever use Patreon in such a way for us. So that is awesome. Thank you.
0: P a t r e o n patreon.com. dot com. Look for l o l o p or do elementopi dot com slash Patreon. It'll take you straight to it. Uh, Greg has some miscellaneous comments and questions. says a couple of shows ago you guys mentioned a vacation spreadsheet. huh? Care to expand on what this is? Well, we kind of did during the show. Uh, and it's it's my OCD thing that I do before I go on uh, before I make any decision of any kind, whether it's buying a car or buying a house or going on vacation or purchasing shoes, I I create a spreadsheet. <laughs> and i i break things really? down into various categories so when i'm going on vacation i do research and i talk to people and i and i, I and i and you know i look online or whatever and i find various restaurants uh, based on uh, their like their uh, reviews at at uh, uh, Google or um, Yelp uh, and their price point and the types of food, so I have those. Like I know if I'm going to say St. Simon Islands in South Georgia, I look all of those things up. But I have that, and then I have entertainment sorted there, uh, and hours of availability and that sort of stuff. So when we're trying to decide, hey, what are we going to do? I can pull up my spreadsheet and say, well, it's evening. So we're looking for evening type meals. Who's in the mood for what? And so okay, seafood. So then I can sort by seafood, then I can sort by review and price. And say this is an average 4.4 4 star, uh but it's like $30 a plate. You know, we've already had a pretty expensive morning. I can do that. and I do the same thing with with uh activities and and diversions and stop jug- judging me. I can hear you judging me through the internet. But yeah. You no, Mark, that that's me
2: judging you through the podcast, not okay. them through the internet.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm judging you through the podcast, too. (laughs) Shoes, really? (laughs) You gotta. There's
0: size, there's fit, there's style, there's color. There's too many options. You need to put them all in one place so that you can make an informed decision.
2: See, (laughs) when I go to buy shoes, I I walk around the store and I go, (laughs) that one looks like it'll fit, and that one looks like it'll fit. Which one of those actually fit? I'm done. So, see, that's the difference between you and me,
0: Seth. I can't buy shoes at a store. So everything I buy is online, so I have I have options. Uh, Zappos.com, best place to buy shoes ever. We don't make Definitely. any money for them. I'm just telling you, Z-A-P-P-O-S, you'll never buy shoes anywhere else again.
2: Um, just I'm, I'm too leery to buy them without trying them on.
0: Well, that's the whole so. point. That's what Zappos does. 365-day return policy, free shipping both ways. So they want to take that uh, that shoe store model where you go in, you tell the guy you're looking for uh, a, an athletic shoe in white in a size 13. He goes and brings you five different options. Zappos' model is they will you buy five different options, they send them to you, you try on the one that fits, send them back, and they refund your credit card. Yes, you have to put the money out up front, and that's the genius of their model. They're making money on that interest. They have tens of thousands of dollars uh, of money that they only hold on to for a little while. But if they can keep that level up high enough, as long as the stream coming in is is equal to the stream coming out, they have this bank account that they're just drawing interest on, on money that yep. they know they're going to give up. It's a br- brilliant model, but it also works really great for me. You don't have to be in a hurry about it. Like I said, 365-day return policy, no questions asked. Uh, so just this last week, uh, my my giant Amazon of a daughter who's taking after her dad is 12 and wears a size 10 and a half shoes. You can't find women's 10 and a half around stores. We haven't been able to do it. So we went to Amazon. I ordered four different pairs at a you know, it's a pretty significant cost, right? Um, but they all came. We tried them on. We, we, she found the one pair that she liked, and we're sending the other uh, three back tomorrow. And before the credit card bill is due, that credit will be on there. It's no different than the, the end result of going to a shoe store, except you don't have to go to a shoe store.
1: Yeah. I could see it. Yeah. And if, if I had that specialty of a shoe, I would be in the same boat, but I'm lucky where I can buy shoes anywhere.
0: Yeah, I can't you know? go to Walmart and buy a nineteen dollar pair of Feels, right? Every shoe I buy starts at sixty dollars and goes up. Yeah, that's just you just got to make that uh, ex- accept that point of reality. And my daughter is the same way now. She she has lost the ability to buy over the counter anywhere. Um, she's not going to be able to do it. She's consigned to a life of online. But the issue was before there was Zappos, before there was online, I would go to like J C Penney and go to the catalog back of the room, and and look mm-hmm. through that thing, because that was that was my only choice. So, when I found about Zappos.com, it changed my life.
1: Yeah, I could see it. But, uh, I... Yeah, I, I just can't believe you'd spreadsheet pros and cons on shoes, to tell you the truth. That, that's, that's only
0: because you don't understand the beauty of a spreadsheet.
1: <laughs> no, I can understand the beauty of a spreadsheet for the vacation, for buying a home, for a car, or even a computer, but... Shoes, I just can't. I, I can't stand behind you for shoes because right. so, I'm uh, actually can, can doing you, the home one just now. I started that because we're we're now looking for buying a house. Nice. We, we've been pre-approved. So
0: when 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 we were buying a how, uh, a car last, I had columns in the spreadsheet for everything like dual zone air conditioning and uh, power windows, speed sensitive stereos. Some people have that. Some people don't. You know, uh, all of these things. And and in the end, the math tells you which car you should buy. Continuing on with Greg's email, though. No, I'm not going to let you have this anymore. Uh, daylight savings time. Seth was talking about. Uh, by the way, it's daylight saving. No S. Uh, Seth was talking about getting some work done on his acreage in the evenings and Mark said something about just wait six weeks and you can do that work. Obviously Mark doesn't live on larger property. Some things you just can't wait six weeks to do. I have fruit trees and they need to be pruned this time of year. If I wait six weeks it's too late. There's lots of things on this larger yards that can't be put off until later. For the record, I hate changing the clocks and I hope that we can get away from that sometime in the future. I doubt it'll happen but it would be sweet to get away from changing our clocks. Um. Uh, any comment on that, Seth? That was sort of your baby.
2: Yeah, no, he is totally true because there's stuff I need to get done now so I can get to the stuff that can be done in the summertime when I have more hours. So, yes, definitely when there's more land to take care of, you need the more but hours. But it's a farce. You don't have more hours. No, but I have more hours during the light at home. Yeah, it's a shell game. So, I. <sighs> I know it's a shell game, but it's a shell game that gives me more hours at home with daylight.
0: Okay. Uh, Moving on. Uh, Sorry for bringing Linux into the email, but since you started in the episode. System D. I'm studying for the RHCE, uh, and since uh, Red Hat Enterprise Linux 7 has System D, I'm becoming aware of just how different it is. Uh, When first exposed to it, I looked up some of the info, and there were a lot of haters on it. The majority uh, was about how it was becoming so big, and it's broken away from the Linux mindset of each module does one thing and does it very well. But for me, the argument against System D was that uh, that since it's become so big and overreaching what happens if it dies there are plenty of Linux projects that were big and died I think that some very big foundation would probably pick this up but it does make sense not to have everything pegged on this project I believe that one of you has an app that controls when the phone is muted during the day turns things off that sort of thing thanks Greg uh, that we've talked about a couple times is the agent app just search for agent uh, in the the play store it's a, it's a handy little app um, it'll my, change your life yeah, the what mine does for example, what uh, any meeting, it mutes my phone for the duration of the meeting. Uh, I have I say that this when I'm connected to this Bluetooth, it means I'm in the car. So read my text to me and and let me reply back by a voice. Um, yep. it, it it's it's a great tool. There are other tools that could do it. You could do the same thing with Tasker or Automated or whatever. But this is simple and easy, um, and I never have to f- to worry about my phone forgetting to to me forgetting to move my phone when I go into a meeting I, I have a meeting on my calendar for church on Sunday mornings for the same reason yep just because i I want it to not make sound and I don't want to have to remember
1: yeah the other thing I found out with agent is you can make the uh, you can make a widget to go to one of those options so like when I'm right so when I have an impromptu meeting that I didn't know about or so I couldn't have it on my calendar, I have the meeting agent as a quick button on my home screen so I can just activate it. I wish I could put it on a widget for my lock screen. That would be even better agent people. Come on. But yeah, it works. And it's free.
0: And, um, if it's ad supported, I don't remember ever seeing an ad
1: in it. I think it's donationware where they, he asks you to donate, but he isn't adding, he doesn't put any ads in unless you're in the configuration screens.
0: Okay. Uh, so they are there. I just don't remember seeing them. But it yeah. stays out of the way. It doesn't drain battery. Uh, it's a great, great app. Agent. Uh, okay, that's it. We'll come back to the news after we have our discussion about Corora.
1: So take um, it away, Chris. Are we going to blow past the System D comments?
0: Well, okay. If you if you feel the need to comment <laughs> on System D, go right ahead.
1: No, I don't. I was just I was just surprised that we just glossed right over because that's a that I have System nothing D, to say about it. I'm just. I think there is corporate buy into that. I think Red Hat is one of the maintainers for System D, so I just wanted to point that out. I believe Red Hat is part of the Darling Trust that is paying for it. But yeah, we can go right into so Aurora.
0: System D is new and SysInit in it is old, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. And so, you know, honestly, for what System D does, I'm very impressed with what it does. For even, even with it being as large as it is. Okay. So, Corora. Where do you want me to start with it? Um, well,
0: let's start at the beginning. Tell me about the install process. The which install Which is pretty process. much commodity right now. They're all the same, but we yeah. have to do it anyway.
1: Yeah. They are. It is commodity. Um, it, it runs the Fedora based installer. It's pretty straightforward. The only possible get you with it is when you're doing your partitioning scheme uh, it, it isn't as user friendly as it used to be. Uh, I have a feeling it'll change as some time goes by and they, they tweak it a little bit more. Um, but overall the install process is point, click, stupid, easy. Um, you can even get to like the original Fedora installer. Didn't have an easy place to get to your host name changer. So you had to know how to do the host name change after the fact. Now it's a, Part, it's built into the install questions, especially when you, um, when you do the, uh, when you connect to a Wi Fi or network adapter, um, it automatically prompts you now for your, for your host name, which is nice, but so does Fedora now. So that is, yeah, it's just a simple, basic install process. Um, as far as everything else, uh, I defaulted with the generic gnome three interface to very, for the very first couple of days. Um, I'm very impressed with what they did to gnome three. They've added some extra little widgets here and there. Um, did some of the previous layout build that I would normally do on default gnome install. Um, so like they have your, um, your sidebar on the left. It's always sticking out until you run an, a full screen app which is perfect because you want your quick launch bar available not when you're on your activity panel but all the time so that was kind of a nice little um, thing they added they added a bunch of um widgets into the gnome 3 system uh so far i'm really liking gnome 3 with this spin um but it's not my day-to-day user uh i I'm not a big fan of GNOME three. I've been on been on record for saying that a couple of times, and I'm not. It, it's just it's too bloated for most of my um, for most of my installs for this particular for any version of Corora. It, it GNOME three is just too heavy. I, um, I would much rather run something a little bit lighter. Um,
0: well, I mean, tell me what that means. What does it mean that
1: it's too heavy? Um, let's see how how can I explain that. Uh. When I'm running on my laptop, because that's what I put this on. I ran it on a laptop in my, in one of my virtual machines, and I ran it for the two, three weeks that I've been testing it. Um, on my Dell laptop, which is, um, not a, sh- it's not much, it, it doesn't have a very big graphics card in it, but it, there was, a, it was artifacting really bad when I was in my GNOME 3 environment. And it, it, it just because, of all the extra things that GNOME 3 wants to make it pretty. So like the the transparency when it when you drop into the activity menu so you get your screen, so you can get to your virtual desktops and your application shirts, it would artifact and just slow way down. Um, see I like
0: the pretty and so what you're saying there is it's not so much that it's heavy, but it's not implemented well. Or at least not on your hardware.
1: Right. I I would say the my Intel the Intel video card that I have just couldn't handle the, the heavy graphic load that GNOME 3 adds to it. Grant, and I, I do like it. I mean, when I put it on the virtual machine and I can actually have some of my horsepower for my big rig, for my gaming machine, um, it runs like a champ on, on a bigger machine with a bigger video card. So if my laptop had a bigger video card, I probably wouldn't mind it. Um, I just can't stand behind GNOME 3 yet with it not running on lower end machines. Um, so then I, of course, is there anybody,
0: is there anybody that gives you pretty on low end? I mean, it seems to me that it's a trade-off. You either have pretty or you have a compatibility on low end machines. So it's not that LXDE is built better. It's just that it doesn't have that stuff in it.
1: Right. It doesn't have a lot of the transition effects. Um, same thing with XFCE, any of the, the lower end graphical environments, um, they, they strip out some of the graphics prettiness to give you. Performance, um, that's always going to be a handoff. Uh, look at Windows when you or any version of Linux. The, if you transition, turn down the transitions, so it's leaner and faster. You lose your pretty. That, that's just a, it's a natural handoff. Same thing happens in Windows and Mac. I'm sure too if they even allow you to do that. But where I'm very impressed with was the implementation of LXDE and. For a change, I, the um, XFCE default install was very, uh, user friendly. They don't default to it yet, but it's part of the package load where you can get whiskers menu. Uh, if any of, any of the X- XFCE guys will know what whiskers menu is, it's a, a much easier to use, um, start system. So it, instead of having the traditional XFCE uh, start menu, which everyone remembers from like Windows 95 and Windows 98 and all those older school start menus where it's just a lie, uh, the category breakdown tree. Uh, whiskers is more along the same lines of cinnamon or, um, KDE's start menu. Those are more similar. So you have, uh, the, the categories, but you can also search any application. Um, uh, the, I wish they would, the whiskers menu would take over for the original XFC menu option. Um, the one thing I was very impressed with when it came to Corora compared to, um, any of my Fedora builds is that almost everything I would normally install after the fact was already in. Um, so codecs were already installed. Uh, handbrake is installed. Uh, I had to install VLC, but that's not a big deal. Um, the new software center, which is Fedora software center works like a champ. Um, but for some reason, it wouldn't find Steam. I had to use the older, um, YumX tool to find Steam. I don't know, not hundred percent sure why, but it wasn't in the main software store, pol- uh, the store window. Um, all in all, this is definitely, I made the, the line last week uh, when I said that, corora is what mint did to you know mint what mint did to ubuntu is what corora does to fedora um it just kind of makes everything into a simple package for anybody to use
0: so tell me um what's what would make the, di- the driving factor if i was choosing between mint and corora obviously the the base is different tell me what those differences are why would i choose one over the other
1: well it's more of its familiarity um I know personally, I know the Fedora tools much better than I know the Ubuntu tools. So like the, any of the app kit commands, I don't know them off the top of my head. I know the yum commands off the top of my head. Um, I am finding though that there are some packages that aren't supported in Fedora compared to the Ubuntu's of the world. So you'd have to be a Fedora fan or have a reason to be running an RPM system. Um, other the other thing that is kind of different that Fedora or um, Corora does off the out of the box is they do have SE Linux turned on by default and they have a firewall on by default. Um, the the SE Linux is set to strict profiling and the Fido- the firewall is set um, semi passive where it doesn't get in the way unless you're explicitly trying to do something. So when I was running. Um, BitTorrents, it ran like a champ. No problems. It automatically punched the hole through the firewall like it wanted to and did everything it needed to. Um, if I wanted to run um, Plex, I had to actually manually go in and tell it, open up that port because it's a, an ongoing service.
0: So it starts with a software firewall turned on?
1: Yeah, it starts with everything protecting. It's a protected system. So if you needed a, a system that is a little bit more... Uh, a little bit more safe. No, that's not the right word. It thinks more, if you need a system that's more security focused first before, you know, in the first door rather than say two doors down when you, like in Ubuntu or any of the mints where you have to go in and install those packages and configure them. Um, Fedora does a good job of having a lot of that stuff turned on by default. Um, okay. all in all, I'm, I'm probably going to keep it as my main my main desktop. Um, I'll probably, when I have a few days, I'll probably make the transition of my main rig, my gaming rig, to Corora. Um, I'm very impressed with it. I'm still not sure what is going to be my default desktop yet. Um, I'm still kind of sampling all of the desktops. The only one I don't have installed is Mate. Um, the rest of them have been installed, and I've been playing with each one and giving them a couple of days each time. So far, um, I'm really impressed with the Cinnamon right now. Um, it it's a little bit lighter than GNOME three, so it ha- my laptop handles it better. Um, but I'm kind of kind of impressed with Cinnamon.
0: Okay. Any other? Uh, it, we've reached a point. It's it's both good and bad. Um, Linux distros are commodities now, yep. so it's hard to find dist- distinctions between one and the other. Uh, so it, it, what what makes this stand out, either in a good or a bad way?
1: Um, I will say that they're, the guys who are taking care of the theming of the system actually have a thought when it comes to their theming of the system. Um, it is a very pretty look when you look at any of the icons or any of the theming. It's all uniform. You don't see very many broken icons. So I would say that comparing Fedora and Corora together, um, Corora is a much nicer looking system. You know, as far as the pretty and you know, function, you know, the the day-to-day use of it, it it doesn't, it's not so jarring, I guess. Because if you're going from machine to machine, you want something that looks, you know, that it is appeasing to look at. And while Corora is appeasing, um, they do a couple of things that are kind of entertaining too. Um, I never know what color my background's going to be when I load into my machines. It has a, a rotating background color. So like my desktop right now is orange. I didn't pick orange. It just randomly gave me an orange background, which is kind of cool. I mean, It's silly and it's dumb that I'm thinking it's a cool thing, but I never know what color it's going to be when I log it in. So it's kind of a surprise. I like it. Um, I'm very. I I don't know what icon theme they've used, but all of the icons look like the icons I have on my Android phone. They're the. uh, Oh, I don't remember what the theme is now, but they're they're very similar. They're all circles instead of a blocky square, uh, you know, icon or. um, Yeah, it's just. I'm really impressed with the theming of the system. And I wish one of their guys would take that approach to, like, the LXDE's, um, LXQT, or XFCE themes. So that way that it's a more uniform uh, look to all of the different desktops. Because so do you, you- think
0: Corora will be your, your go-to distro from now on?
1: Um, I think so. Um, I'm very impressed with it overall. Uh, I didn't run into any weird bugs when I was installing or running any of the programs that I normally ran. Um, some of the issues I had before with the sound settings in the, you know, being able to change what sound input, output, and things that I was having be- problems before in Fedora and in, um, oh, what was that last distro I did? Man, was it, no, it wasn't Mandrake. But anyway, um, the, the that's it, Manjaro. Um, I was having issues getting the sound the applications to, to let me pick which output I would be using. So like mm-hmm. if I was to plug in the microphone in the last version of Fedora that I was using, uh, it, it was a fight to get Audacity to let me use the microphone and the Hangouts to let me use the microphone. And it was constantly, oh yeah, I have to go in and do this and this and this and this. And then finally I'll get my ap- my ap- application to cooperate with me. Uh, I didn't have as many problems with Corora, so I don't know if that's a Fedora based thing because they are mirroring the newest version of Fedora, which I don't have. I'm still running on the version previous. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna have to try a Fedora build just to see if it's a, the new sound system is, is just better than the one I have or if it's a Corora thing. Uh, cause I'm very impressed. The, the sounds, the sound, Menu in both the GNOME three, the Cinnamon, um, and the XFCE version are very similar, and they all seem to be about the same look and feel in application use. Um, so I would I would definitely say it's a plus to Pulse Audio because I think they they've really stepped up their game. Pulse has um, I really I'm a, I'm actually happy now to be running in my all, all the different. Desktops because they seem to play so well together. Um, I don't see any broken, you know, themes when I'm launching a KDE app in a GNOME system. So I'm overall, I'm impressed.
0: All right. So based based on a synopsis of what I think you've said, if you're in the RPM camp, Red Hat, um, you know, CentOS, that sort of thing, uh, Corora is a solid. Home use, general purpose, um, kitchen sink distro that you that anybody should be able to use.
1: Yes, I would definitely say that. If you're RPM user, I would say you know, and, and I hate to say this to to my Fedora people, but you lost it, Fedora. You need to step up and, and see what they're doing over here at Corora, so you can match it. Because otherwise, you're going to lose your base users, and they're going to move over to Corora because they do a very fantastic job and the support room in on the irc 10 times better the people i've i've been talking to over there compared to the fedora chat room um and i don't know if that's if i know there's been issues with the fedora chat room um i've been seeing the the chat logs and the, the things that they've been talking about there's there's some elitism going on in the fedora support room and I just don't see that over in the Corora one. So,
0: this from our resident Fedora ambassador. Am I?
1: Might yeah. Add. Well, uh, ambassador that is currently on. Uh, le- how do they word that? I'm I'm marked as an inactive member mm. because I haven't done anything. You've, the last been, recalled. <laughs> they might You've been recalled. They might kick me by the this. administration. They they might kick me out after this review. But uh, you know, all in all, it but it's still based in Fedora. So. Even if it is a, it's a prettier spin of what Fedora is, with a whole lot more bits and pieces already there for you.
0: All right.
1: Any other thoughts on Corora
0: before we move on to the news of the week?
1: I want to know what anyone else thinks of it. If you're a Corora user already, you know, did I miss something? Tell me something. Um, I'm just, I want to hear from our audience on what they thought of Corora if they've played with it themselves because I'm impressed and it takes a lot to get me fired up and impressed or even to switch my daily driver.
0: So have you done any research? Like I know that a number of the things that are on mint are not strictly legal in the U S the codex, for example, uh, is, is fedora clean or is it running, writing the same, um, line?
1: Um, the Fedora itself, if you just run Fedora I'm Corora, yeah. okay, I would say Fedora is clean. Um, They have only open source stuff in there. I don't know if Corora has gone through and licensed all of it. I know the last time I looked at them, I was reading on their form, and I believe they've licensed Adobe Flash, so that's why they can distribute Flash. Uh, I would have to double down and, and re-investigate to see if they have the same thing for the codex, but I know the last time I looked there was a license for at least flash
0: so what I mean there in case you don 't know is, is not that uh, mint is is ripping off software and doing things illegally, but flash, for example, and some of the like the Microsoft Truetop type fonts uh, things like that are freely available to an end user. Um, And that's the way Ubuntu handles it. You don't get those, but there's a a one-button or two-button install process that will go out and download them and install them for you. But it, it ends up being frustrating for the user who pops a DVD into his system and can't play it because he doesn't have the codecs, or opens a Word document and it looks like garbage uh, because it doesn't have the fonts or can't play Flash uh, on, you know, Flash is dead, right? But it's still on, on something like 90% of the websites uh, out there. So it, non, non-technical users, uh, grandmas, don't want to have to deal with things not being there when they need them. So the Mint community has decided that we are going to package those up uh, in, the, in a country outside the U.S. where those rules don't apply, and if you want to download it in the U.S., that's on you. So by, by the letter of the law, when you download Mint, you are violating a number of user agreements, if not laws. Um, and so that's why some people just refuse to use it, because it's not strictly above board. Um, and I wondered if Corora is the same way.
1: Yeah, I, I would have to. I'll have to do some research, and I'll let you guys know what I find.
0: Because that, that's the that's my one hesitation with with Mint. Uh, two hesitations with Mint. One uh, one of the uh, the the primary developers um, is not um, known for being tolerant of certain ethnicities. Uh, I don't think that diminishes the entire project or the product of the work of many people, but it is a sort of a, a, a cloud hanging over Mint. And then also the fact that they, they outwardly flout user agreements, if not laws. Uh, so those things make me want to, to pull back from Mint. But when somebody says, what's the best overall uh, Linux distribution for a non-technical user?, the only answer can be meant at this point, so it sounds like maybe uh Chris has given me another uh option, but my concern with that is is as he said earlier the the r p m world is being left behind by the by the the deb world the everybody is now using debian and debian derivatives, and the red hat and and their derivatives are becoming sideline players. they're not there yet, but they're slowly being pushed over into the slow lane. Um, because there's more pickup, more development, more people who are invested in the Debian-style um, systems. So that that's a, a point of concern for me.
2: Yeah, but that's not going to happen anymore, Mark, because we have net neutrality now, so no more slow lanes for anyone. <laughs> if you say so, boss.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll see if I can get some official... Um, something on on the website or something, because I'm reading here on one of their About pages that they pre-configure a number of third-party repositories. So, like I said, I don't know if they have license to do it, but I know they have the Adobe Flash, Dropbox, Google, the Google stuff, the RPM Fusion, and VirtualBox as pre-configured repositories, which is just about everything as far as out-of-the-box. Um. But yeah, I'll I'll see if I can't find some unless you want to play an,
0: a WMV file. Can you play a WMV file without th- installing anything?
1: I would that's, have to try. I haven't right. tried lately. So that's but,
0: the the Windows uh, audio and video codecs. Um, they they are less important than they used to be, but they're still out there, and and certain DVDs still use those codecs. WPV,
1: uh, certain, um, WMV. Which, MV MV
0: Windows uh, Movie Video I think it is it's sure it's not super creative in the names. Um,
1: See if I can get a test clip and try it.
0: You shouldn't be able to if they're doing everything above board.
1: You shouldn't be able to
0: play that out of the box. There should be a process. Now the the best systems the first time you try to play something say here's what's missing. Click here to go get it. But that's a point of frustration for the average non technical user. Okay, so <laughs> So while he tries that, we'll move on to the news uh of the week, starting with some news of last week. Uh the yen and the yang, the good and the bad of evil starting with Google is good.
2: Yes. Um, you know, it's kind of died down now. Um, especially coverage, I should say coverage in America of Ebola has kind of died down, but you know, it's still a pretty big deal in Africa. There's still lots of people who die over it. Um, and so Google developed a tablet that, um, doctors can use and you can sanitize it by like dipping it in chlorine because what they have to do now is, you know, when they're in their quarantined area and they 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 take their notes and then they walk over to the edge of the tent and yell them through the tent to the people who can write them down you know and keep them safe because you wouldn't want to take notes in an infected area and then take those notes outside the area because then you know you've just let the infection out and so rather than having to waste all the time doing that Google said, Hey, why don't, you know, we do stuff. So they basically take a tablet and then they encase it in, I was just, I just had it. Polycarbonate. Yeah, polycarbonate. So that way, whenever, you know, they're done and whatever, um, they can just dip it in, uh, bleach, chlorine bleach and kill, you know, to sanitize it. So that way, this note, the, this note taking device that they're carrying around, isn't an avenue to transfer Ebola uh, around. So I just thought, you know, hey, that's pretty cool. That's a company doing some good social good, and you know, we'll give it up for Google because they did good stuff.
0: And and because it's not entirely clear, the cap the tablet that we're talking about is a is a Android based computing platform, a, sl- a flat slab of glass. Uh, tablet can mean lots of things, but this is a computer ah, yes. that that runs Android. That you can, you know, you can do stuff on that. They may not have Wi-Fi available, but if they do, they can transfer things. But this is, is, it's been a pain point for people because once you walk into the quarantine zone, you can't bring anything out of the quarantine zone, including the expensive piece of electronic that you took in there. Right. So Google has addressed this by making an expensive piece of electronic that you can dip in bleach. Um, by the way, you can't dip your hands in bleach—not pure stuff. Uh, so it's pretty tough. And it will kill anything um, that that happens to be on it. And then they can have a fully sterile tablet that was in a quarantine zone, no longer in a quarantine zone.
2: Yeah, you know, because you couldn't run cables in there because you're breaking quarantine. But you can set a Wi-Fi router up outside the quarantine zone. And pretty much any tablet you buy now is going to have Wi-Fi connectivity so they can input their data. And then, as far as I know, Ebola isn't carried over the 802.11 standards, you know. <laughs> um Computer viruses maybe, but still not human viruses yet. Maybe, maybe uh, only
0: A, but if you're G, you're okay.
2: Yeah, you know, I think the N puts a filter in there, and uh that's why they didn't have an E version. No, no Ebola. <laughs> so. Uh, but, yeah, hmm. so it was just kind of uh, neat that, you know, it's like one of those, golly, why didn't they do that five years ago kind of thing. You know, it's one of those solutions. Well, you know, but now that they have the charging that you can just – you don't have to plug a cable in to charge. You can just kind of set it on the pad or near right. the pad. You know, before you couldn't have done this because the technology didn't exist for you to be able to do this. Otherwise, you know, you would have to – You'd be a one use tablet and right. it would be done, but now. Obviously you,
0: there's no USB
2: ports on this. Right. Yeah. So, pretty so cool
0: stuff. Google is good. Google is yeah. also
2: evil. <laughs> yes. I don't want you to get too full. You know, we want to, we want to be fair and balanced, um, and friendly and other stuff. Just, uh, you know, that's Fox News. It's fair and balanced, or at least that's their tagline. So, um, <laughs> you know, Google has, um, they reportedly blackmail websites into giving it content for free. You know, um, for example, when Google, um, now if you search for something on Google, there's this little, uh, entry page that pops up and kind of tells you an overview of what, uh, is on Wikipedia. So you don't have to go there. Um, and so now in 2012, the federal trade commission investigated Google and they kind of said, um, you know, Google agreed to make minor changes to its business practices, um, but anyway, so they would just go to say, and you know, we could kind of change our algor- algorithms and you might not show up on page one anymore. And companies like Yelp, um, and TripAdvisor and other things like that would say, oh, um, okay, well, that's okay. You can kind of have some of our content. So it's kind of a double edged sword. You provide content to Google. And so there's less traffic to your site. But if you don't provide the content to Google, then there'll be no traffic to your site because some other search engine will. So it, one of those, you know, Google is using their, their non search monopoly, um, as a way to just kind of, uh, keep people on google and not have them go off to other sites for the information yeah. they need yeah
0: google has been made, making a push for a while to to make you stay on on google you do your search on google you have no reason to leave there so they they scan websites and and like if you search for um something that is a common download uh flash player right so you search flash player and there's a download link right there on google you click that and you can download it uh if you're looking for airfare um, you could actually click straight to the book a book a flight without having to go to Trivago or, or Expedia or any of those people because they're scraping that content. And so that's sort of the deal. Let us do this. Um, or when you do have an ad, we, we may not show it. It would be a, an unfortunate thing if your ad should happen to fall to the second page of Google search results.
2: <laughs> yeah, because there's other companies... You know, some startup. Oh yeah, we'll let you have our content. You can put it right up there and see. Um, yeah. So you know, it's I don't know. It's just one of those things. You know, I don't think their motto is uh, "Do no evil" anymore. Yeah, don't be evil. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's
0: now it's be profitable.
2: Yeah. Um, now it's make us some um, bleeping money.
0: And there are things that you have to do to make money. Uh, and one of the things that you can do to make money is be Red Hat.
2: Yes, uh, we have talked about before, you know, Red Hat is a billion dollar company. It might not be multi-billion, but um, they posted their earnings for the fourth quarter and it beat expectations. So they had net income of over $48 million. See, there is money to be made in their Linux OSs, um, at least some of them anyway. So, um, you know, their revenue was over $464 million a net increase. Twelfth consecutive quarter of revenue growth in the mid So Red Hat is doing something right. They're making money. Um, they're not going under. They have found a way that works, and they're making money on a free OS. So yay Red Hat.
0: Uh, we've said this before. If if you can't make money on the operating system, make money on the support of it. Yep. Um yep. And you know another way that you could make money uh, is to become a Linux administrator because database data centers. I can't find enough Linux people to do their, do their job for them.
1: Do they work. need to move, they need to move their, their services up around my area so I can get so I can get jobs and my friends can get jobs.
2: <laughs> yeah. Just uh, talking a little bit uh, from this article, um, techtarget.com, uh, and this story, um, we found it last week, but we figured we would save it because we had so much to talk about last week. Um, they surveyed 1,000, over 1,000 IT managers. Dice did this, um, and Dice is an IT career website. If you're looking for a job, you should have an account on Dice, and you should look go there. Um, anyway, and the Linux Foundation said they plan to hire professional with professionals with Linux skills. Half of the respondents said they'll hire more Linux talent this year than last year, and Linux skills um, have furthered 90% of respondents' careers to find these candidates. 70% of hiring managers incentivize to retrain or to retain Linux talent. So you get a job with Linux and then you get a better job offer with Linux. You go to your employer and said, Hey, they want me to go and they'll say, we want you to stay more. So, um, there's, there's money to be make out there if you know it. Um, you know, and again, you can't just say, I know what Linux is it's a free version of Unix started blah blah blah. you know um you actually have to know how to do stuff in it,
0: but anyway yeah, and this is just all numbers. this is due to the the push to the cloud, yeah, yep. um as people move things to the cloud, those cloud servers run Linux uh and so people are having a hard time finding qualified people to do their their stuff how do you become a qualified people well our friends over at the LinuxAcademy.com can help you do that their stated goal is to take you from being uh, a linux novice to a linux administrator using their step-by-step video courses uh, that's the whole that's the reason they exist but they're more than just linux they're linux they're amazon web services again we talked about those clouds a lot of those things run on amazon web services even if it's not an amazon company uh and so they their job is to to teach you these things right the that's sort of in the word academy uh but they they do this as I said by the way, the steps by step videos, but it's so much more than just videos, so much more than just watching somebody talk to you uh there there's sort of been a micro burst. In, in online learning delivery uh, places over the last few years. There's all sorts of places like that. If you do a search uh, on Google, um, assuming the company's paid enough money to Google, uh, you'll see lots of searches for people offering to to train you using videos. Uh, Linux Academy doesn't stop there. Each video has with it a, a PDF, a downloadable PDF study guide. If you don't want to download it, you don't have to. But if you're a print guy, you want a, something you can draw a highlighter over, uh, you can do that. And those PDF study guides are time-coded with the video so that as you're watching the video, as you're reading the notes, you can you can keep track of where you are. Then when you're done, you've got a, a, a test that will make sure that you've understood what you want to understand. And and it's not like so many places where there's just a, here's all our videos, enjoy. They have everything broken down into modules and the modules into courses and the courses uh, into to uh, uh, classes. And you, so you say that I want to, my stated goal is to pass the uh, LPIC Level 1 exam. There's a module for that. That module has different courses built in, and each of the courses has different uh, lessons built into that, and it tracks you through as you go. It tracks your progress, lets you know what you did well on, what lets you know what you didn't do so well on. Um, and as you're watching the videos and as you're reading the stuff, the the real benefit there is the, the, real, the hands-on equipment uh, experience that you get. Uh, They have uh, their virtual lab platform that runs, again, on the Amazon Web Services, so it's lightning fast and highly, highly reliable. You can run up to eight different list, uh, Linux distributions. So you can try your hand at, at Arch, and you can try your hand at Debian, and you can try, try your hand at CentOS. You have all these options. You can run four of them simultaneously, interacting with each other in a in their own protective virtual LAN so that you can have a server pull from another server. You can have a client fired up and, and talking to those. All of these things, all in their their uh, platform, all managed through their, their learning system. They have... Um, Their uh, uh, learning plans is what they call them, where you say, um, I'm available these hours a day, uh, this many days a week, and this is what I want to learn. And it'll put together a personalized learning plan for you that says, today, you'll get an email. Today, here's what you need to do. You need to watch these videos, you need to take this test, and you need to do this project. If you do those things, you will be on track for achieving your goal in the time period that you set. I don't know any college courses that let you do that, let you decide when you're available and, and what you can do. The deadlines are set by you, and they give you the tools to meet your own deadlines. Uh, I could talk on and on about this, but the, the simple fact is you, it's just high-quality stuff, independently certified by third parties as high-quality. It's not just, Don't just take my word for it. Um, and the best thing about it, or one of the best things about it, is, of course, the price. $25 a month is the most you will ever pay. That's their basic rate, their beginning rate. they the, the get your foot in the door. Pay 25 bucks, you got a month to look around. see if you like it, kick the tires, try some things. You don't like it, walk away. But if you do like it, like anything, like you know, coffee or eggs or donuts or, or Linux Academy, the more you buy, the less you pay. So if you want to buy three months at a time, instead of the $75 that three individual months would be, that's $65. You get a $10 discount. If you want to buy 12 months at a time, it's $215 annually, which is less than $18 a month. So that's more than $7 off uh, the per month price. And I think if you're serious about learning... You're going to want to do a minimum of three months, probably six or even a year uh, once you get in there. But try it out for $25. You won't find this level of learning anywhere else on the internet for this cost.
2: Yeah, Uh and you know, one
0: thing... Wait a minute, I forgot the most important thing. If you go to uh, linuxacademy.com slash elementopi, you get a... Excuse me, slash uh, Everyday Linux, you get a special price. So you won't even pay what I just said. You'll get a special discount just for our listeners. Now, Seth...
2: Yeah, there's, you know, sometimes when you go to a school, um, whether it be a, you know, a traditional college, university, or a technical school, you learn how to do things that are really neat. You learn how to do them, but they have no place in the real world. It's like, um, what you learn tasks that are the exact same task that you would be doing in a Linux administration role or an Amazon cloud services role. So you're, you're not only learning, you know, some of the history and the behind the scenes, why you do it. You're also learning how to do the thing. And you don't just have this piece of paper that says, now you can teach me because I know what I'm talking about. You have this piece of paper that says, Hey, I I know how to do that. I've done that. I've done that exact same thing. You go, you go here, you type this, you do that. And then boom, it's good. So Just, they're really good at that.
0: All right. Uh, Moving on along to the next bit of news. Uh, Cyanogen secures the funding to rip Android away from Google.
1: Ooh.
2: Yes. um, They uh, did a follow-up round of financing, and they got $80 million in new funds. Uh, They can hire more people, get more development kind of stuff going. Their goal is kind of to liberate android kind of from the financial grip of google they think it's a win for everybody they are one of the things they're doing is not just cyanogen mod but they want to have full-blown android that doesn't have google services which you can totally do because android is not google but if you want to be google certified you know anyway there's that whole thing we've talked about that Many, many times, but they, but it's a little rough around the edges. It doesn't have the polishes. And what are you going to have to dove in there and fill all the spaces that Google does? So that's one of the things they want to do is they want to have a vanilla Android that is fully usable as is without having to overlay the Google services on top of it. That's one of their goals. They want, they want it to be Android and not Google's Android. And whether you say, hey, that's Google's Android today, or you just say Android, you know in the back of your mind that Android is Google. So um, they want to make a distinction between Android and maybe Google's version of Android kind of in much the same way Amazon has their Fire tablet. It runs Android, but that's not Google's Android.
0: One of so, the challenges with this in the past has been – um the fact that Android is not super useful without Google, so yep, the killer right. app on Android is maps and, and and Gmail and Google now these are the things that make Android appealing so other companies uh, Amazon, for example, for their fire tablets, they have they have made it appealing in other ways and, and, and for an Amazon fire tablet, it's essentially an easy way to buy from Amazon. Right? Yeah. you get your prime videos it's a it's a shopping device uh, and it works for people it's 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 yes it's general purpose you can put other Android apps on it and that's good but the killer app for them is integration into their store uh, CyanogenMod, at this point doesn't have a killer app they're gonna have to find that they're gonna have to find anybody can access Gmail on any device you can get the the uh, you know go to the gmail.com but to get the Gmail app, you have to be a licensed, uh, approved player, and it's not hard to be approved. But there are rules that you have to play by. And, and 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 CyanogenMod will probably be Google Play Services approved, and you'll probably be able to get the Google Play Store. But if they want to take Android from Google, they've got to come up with something compelling, and I haven't seen it yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm, Google, I'm impressed. Uh, I was going to say I'm impressed with Cyanogen on my tablet. It does run better than you know anything else, but. uh I just wish that we could have something as good as Google services in Android without Google. But you're right. It's not there yet.
2: Yeah. And, you know, Google isn't going to just sit back and kind of let that take off. Um, you know, they want because um, whenever Firefox switched their primary search engine or their default search engine from Google to Yahoo, um, Google's revenue share kind of dipped by 2%. Now, you know, granted, that's just Firefox and, and you could still, and a lot of people went back and did Google, but you know, um, I heard it on Steve Gibson's podcast the term, the coin, the tyranny of the default. Yes. Um, if, if the default is not Google, but you can still do it, how much is this going to cut into Google's revenue? Because let's face it, if, if you're on Gmail, and you use google plus and you have google now and your calendar is a google calendar you're seeing google ads every step of the way and so google is getting paid to show you those ads and they're harvesting your metrics and just learning everything about you so they can make your ads more specific so they can make more money off of you um well that's only true
0: not that's only true if you deviate from mobile because in mobile there are no app uh, ads there's no ads in gmail mobile you only see the ads if you go to Gmail web. So they're counting on the fact that people aren't going to use Android uh, mobile uh, as their primary device. Um, and I, my concern is that's changing. People are starting to use their phones and their tablets as their primary device. Uh, and Google's model right now is entirely desktop centric. The only way they make money is if you use Gmail on a desktop. Yep. Um, and, and the only way they make, uh, now there are ads in um uh, in search results, results in mobile, I'm, I'm going to test that real quick. Uh, I'm going to search on the word "rheumatoid arthritis." I don't know why, but that's what came up. So yeah, there are ads there. So if you if and, and that's they're counting on that with things like Google now uh, sending things to their, your search. But the big thing is that that mobile for Google is a feeder into the desktop, and I think companies like Cyanogen and and Amazon want to not make it a feeder, but make it the platform.
2: But you see, even if they aren't a lot of ads, you know, when you sign in, all of the stuff you do is cross-linked. Right. It's data, so it ma- it makes their results more specific to you when you do jump over to the desktop. So it might not be a revenue stream, but it's a revenue booster. A military term would be a force multiplier. It takes the amount of time you're on there, and it makes it more effective because they know so much more of what you do. Because those results are cross linked. So if if it's not Google by default, then they're losing that. And all of a sudden, their ads aren't as relevant. So people are going to click on them less. So they aren't going to be able to charge as much.
0: Speaking of charging more, Blackberry made a profit. What? I didn't know it was possible.
2: How can that be? Yeah, they no more losing 4 billion dollars today for you BlackBerry. Um they posted a surprising result of a profit of 4 cents a share. It's not a lot, but everybody thought they were going to lose 4 cents, so it was a win for them. Um you know, one of the things is um they've talked about how they're trying to become less dependent on hardware sales. Um, I really don't know what else they do that is going to make money, but that's, that's what they're trying to do. Um, uh, on the quarter, the company recognized revenue on 1.3 million BlackBerry phone sales. Um, so wow. 1.3. That's, uh,
0: that's, that's Android's sales in a month uh, or less, Uh, you know, maybe a couple of weeks. Uh, so 1.3 million blackberries. It's, but what's amazing to me is that they're actually still selling blackberries. People are actually right. still going out and plunking down money on a blackberry.
1: It doesn't surprise me. Right. I mean, think about the businesses out there that are tied to that service. I don't think any. There's
2: less of those every day. Right.
1: Yeah, there are, but I don't think any any Tom Jones off the street is going to go out and buy a blackberry. They're going to buy an iPhone or an Android. So I think blackberry is just ramping up their selling to big corporate market. I, I at least that's the way I would see
0: it. I bought a BlackBerry for my wife and myself. Those were my first smartphones that I purchased because at the time they were they were the the it. They were king of the hill. Right um, now it's a battle in, uh, for parity between Android and Apple. It, it depends on what feature you want. Yep. Uh Do you do you want you know faster hardware, bigger screen, or do you want an Apple logo? Um. You know that's that's really what it comes down to. BlackBerry's not even in the market i mean i i can't remember having gone into a store and seen a blackberry on the shelf so people are going out of their way to buy these things to the tune of 1.3 million dollars uh 1.3 million units so that's that says something i'm not sure what it says probably replacement of broken <laughs> devices
1: that would be my guess right
0: but hey they made money Go go. Uh, maybe they just need to make a device that has uh, Seth's favorite operating system on it, and then the two two-headed zombie can come back
1: yeah. to life. Uh,
0: a BlackBerry right. running Mego, and you're good to go.
1: Oh, I would buy that, <laughs> and I would double tap and double tap again because it's double-headed. And uh, just to make
0: sure you don't have enough to worry about um, um, patent trolls still here still Uh sticking around still making life miserable
2: yes um you know motorola they had some good news um about them recently but then there was also some bad news a um there was a delaware jury they cleared motorola of infringing on one of um some wireless patent but then again they also found um I'm sorry. I'm looking at the article, but all of a sudden it's like, it's not in English anymore. Um, <laughs> I, hate I don't when know. That happens. Uh, intellectual Ventures, which is one of the, uh, big 800 pound gorillas in the intellectual useless property patent, um, uh, cash cow stream that's out there won a report against them. And, you know, hopefully I, I don't know. I just, I hate patent trolls. They, they suck the life out of everything, and I really wish they would go away. So, yeah. you know, so the, the,
0: the leader of the company, the CEO, is quoted as saying, We're encouraged by today's vote verdict. Uh, the chief counsel, excuse me, the lawyer said, uh, We look forward, we look ahead to the next trial. Of course, you do. You're a lawyer. Um, We remain committed to defending inventor rights and protecting the interest of our investors and customers. They're, they're fighting for the little guy. They're defending inventor rights. How dare you say that they are a
2: troll? You know, and here, here's the thing. I am all for inventors rights. You just need to actually invent something. Exactly. You know, (laughs) don't just say, you know, someday people might use a computer to clean their ears out. And then two years later, when somebody develops it, we had, we patented it. You didn't patent crap,
1: <laughs> you, you can't know. Patent just an shut idea. up
2: and let let the world go. You know, if I work for a law firm, so I have to be careful with what I say. I know <laughs> lawyers are needed because people do want to abuse the system, but unfortunately, those lawyers have to have income for other times as well <laughs> and, uh, you know they're going to get paid anyway you might as well have them litigating because that you know yeah you're paying for their services whether you use them or not um, I, I don't know <laughs> you know we've talked before about how there were some changes to patent law coming uh and then so some of those verdicts were struck down and it looked like good news uh in patent reform and intellectual and patent report reform, I think, is too narrow. And intellectual property reform, uh, which we desperately need. But then again, you know, there's still places like um, East Texas District Court where, you know, uncommon sense is swept out by the janitors every night. So. Yeah.
0: All right. Um, Can't really ref- go further on it. There are so many ways you could go down here, but th- what we're going to see for a long time is this yin and yang. Uh, I won this battle. I lost this battle. It's just going to be money shuffling back and forth. Yep. Um, and it's, it's, that's the way it's going to be for a while. Hopefully things will get better, but. For now, that's what it is. Uh, it's it's the same lawyers arguing different cases between Samsung and Apple and Motorola and whatever, and, and they're just going to shuffle money back and forth between each other.
1: Um, and the only ones that win will be the lawyers.
0: Yeah, it's certainly not good for business, and it's not good for consumers. Um, yep. It's it's good for the legal system. Um, and in case you didn't have enough things to worry about, environmentalists hate the Xbox.
1: <laughs> uh
2: yes. Um apparently Microsoft is out to kill the United States economy to the tune of two hundred and fifty million dollars a year just so people can say Xbox on and poof, Xbox comes on. Well, in order to do that, it has to maintain a sufficient level of power to power the receiver so it can tell if you're talking to it and you know and this is just again it's the tyranny of the default you can go in and change it and it's amazing that consoles that are sold in europe or whatever it's turned off by default so where you know somebody cares a little bit somebody said hey if you want to turn it on great but if you don't want it on then turn it off because one it's kind of hard to find to turn off in the first place but it just you now you know they have reduced the amount of power that it takes to get it in that state from 18 watts down to 12.5 watts. And you're saying that's only, you know, it's only 12 and a half watts. What's the big deal? Well, if there were only one Xbox in the world doing this, maybe. But you look at millions of them that they sell, you know. And again, it it's just one of those things. People don't want to take the time to press a button you know well oh even my if they do that the yeah.
0: electronics have not been off for two decades yeah nothing right. in my house turns off um it when you turn my when you turn my stereo off quote unquote off the a red light comes on right the on light shows that it's off um i never have figured that one out um uh, my television doesn't go off you you turn it off and a light comes on to tell you that it's off Um, so the things go into these low power state modes, but it's in the end, it's like having, you know, five light bulbs running all the time. So yes, these are, these are things that are problems, but it's also not ever going to change.
2: Well, but there's a difference between having it in standby mode and having it on. So, you know, because if it's in standby mode, you're not going to be able to say Xbox on, you have to walk over and hit a button to say hey you know so,
0: that what they're trying to do is keep a small subset of the chips aside so that when and and, and the laptops have been doing this for a long time they go into this low power mode but you tap a button and boom they're right back so they're right. not actually turning themselves off i mean if you try it suspend your laptop and leave it sit for a few days when you turn it on your battery will be dead yep. they're sucking yep. juice uh, all the time to do that and xbox is doing the same thing with the xbox one it goes it's mostly dead um but mostly dead is still partly alive um
2: and so they, you know, they have these... Stu- you make me want an MLT, Mark, a nice mutton, <laughs> lettuce, and tomato.
0: When the mutton is tender and the tomatoes are sp- so perky. Mm. <laughs> so uh, I, what makes me chuckle about this is this environmental group of tree huggers decided they couldn't get anybody to care unless they put a price tag on it. So they say that the Xbox is costing $250 million a year. Um, so they put a number on it so that we would have this
2: conversation about yep. it, It's Good now on new tree huggers. It worked. Well, you know, it's like one of those. It, we we're just as Americans. We're too freaking lazy that we can't walk over and hit a button. No, to turn on the machine on. We I have, have a remote you know, for that. I have a three hundred dollar remote for that. <laughs> okay, well then have the remote turn it on, so it would be in a true standby state and not just a blank screen. So, and then. I don't even mind having it on there. Just make it something where you turn that feature on right, and not have it on by default. Well, the reason
0: it's off in Germany or, or Europe is because they're so so nuts about privacy, and so they don't want this thing listening to you all the time. Right. So and to sell it in Europe, they had to turn off the listen feature. Well, that also powers down certain circuits that were powered. So the, the reason, by the way my stereo doesn't go off when I turn it off is because it needs to have enough circuits rerunning running so that when I use the remote to turn it on, it's got our sensor powered up and it's got a a solenoid, a a triac, or what's the word I'm looking for? Relay, there we go, that it can power up. And it's got to be able to deliver power to that instantly. So there are certain circuits because we are too lazy to push a button, right? Back in the old days, TVs had toggle switches. You turn the volume all the way down and then it clicked off, and you physically disconnected electricity from the circuit the old tv monitors you'd push a button and it go boom and it would shake yep. um and the old uh, computers had a big toggle switch on the side remember those you had to, yep. you had to turn it on and it made that noise and it kind of go and warm up a little bit i'm in sound effect mode tonight um, <laughs> all of that goes away because we're too lazy to but to flip switches we want remotes. Well, you've got to have the remote circuitry. Well, the, the Xbox One has the. Uh, it's the same thing. It's remote circuitry, but it's voice remote. So you got to have a smarter chip going, um, and it, and microphones going. I'm, I'm very sanguine about this. It doesn't bother me. It's just the way things are going to be. be. before long, your house will be listening to every word you speak, so that you can tell it to increase the lights or to to decrease the temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just the way it's going to be. The problem is As- not. To to make make these things less energy efficient. The problem is to be better at delivering energy more cheaply and more effectively. Right.
2: You know, as long as the house doesn't take the words I say and send them somewhere else to process them for meaning. Oh, they will. Well, well going well, to they will.
1: They're gonna have to because there's no way that a, a little itty bitty, you know, little brick thing is gonna be able to understand and understand English to the point where it can know what you said it's going to send it to some bigger farm
0: well google now can do it because the subset is limited okay google navigate to work
1: right but when you go navigate to work
0: woke up and tried to give them directions (laughs) but so it knows where work is it knows the phrase navigate to work so all of that stuff is pre it doesn't have to go anything over to the internet for that Uh, but because they have to keep the the database simple to do that and we don't want simple we want to be able to say um what is this uh small round fruit that's got a bunch of seeds on it and it's red and it's kind of heart shape and has a a green fluffy thing on the top um we want to be able to say that and the computer will say that's a strawberry you idiot uh (laughs) but but we're right now we can't do that and so we're moving toward uh demanding more power and more processing because again our laziness is going to drive that
1: We're gonna be the big tub of of lards in the uh, Wally movie soon.
0: Yes, and we'll push a button and our suits will turn blue because blue is now popular. That's right. (laughs) So, interesting article, interesting discussion. Um, I think you're barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. Uh, If you want
1: to, there's bigger fish to fry than the Xbox One staying on.
0: If we figure out how to make solar more than about 13% efficient, none of these problems are problems anymore. Yep. We're only concerned about energy cost because energy has a cost. We're only concerned about energy consumption because we're using finite resources. Once we start tapping into the infinite resources that are available to us cheaply and effectively, all of these problems
1: go away. Or cold fusion.
0: Yeah, but as long as we're digging up dinosaurs to make the lights come on we these things are important
1: or you know what would be interesting is to if someone could figure out a better way to make hydroelectric power better because that's something that's not going to go away but it's still not as efficient as well I don't
0: know. global warming is going to burn up the the rivers and they will all evaporate and they won't be well
2: no but the oceans will be bigger so there'll be more opportunity to make electricity (laughs) for them we're trying to save the planet by warming it up mark there you go you know it's like we're priming the engine you know you have to warm a car up or at least you used to before (laughs) it would go good we gotta warm the planet up. (laughs) sorry i it's funny in my mind you had to be (laughs) there my wife and I, had. I
0: said something off the wall, and she said something like, I, I don't even want to know where that came from. And I said, no, you wouldn't last 10 minutes in my mind. You're not strong enough to live in my mind. It would destroy you. Uh, okay, so this is the part of the show where Seth tells us what happened this week in computer history.
2: Okay, and a certain set of fanboys who I have very little in common are just... You know, salivating everywhere. But Apple Inc. is formed by Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak, and Ronald Wayne, April the first, nineteen seventy-six. Unfortunately, it wasn't just an April Fool's prank, but Apple Inc. was formed nineteen seventy-six by Jobs, Woz, and the other guy you've never heard Ron. of, but Jobs who has, and Ron. Yeah, but who has millions of dollars? I'm sure. So,
0: I heard a story about uh, a guy who did some painting around the apple offices just painting walls and they didn't have any money so they offered him stock and he's now like a multimillionaire because he painted some walls and they couldn't afford to pay him money that's funny um nice wow. work if you
2: can get it yeah yep
0: <laughs> all right seth what do you have for our show closing spectacular this week
2: okay this this is a pretty cool site um if you go to uh, this link is from the BBC dot com and it's journey to the center of the earth. It is, I believe, flash. I'm not sure, but you just you scroll down and it shows you at what depth things are. So, you know, point seven meters, you find rabbits uh, and, it, you know, like down to one meter, a pig can sniff out truffles up to a meter depth and as you scroll down it just shows you different things and um kind of cool it it's the distance and the depth like for example 12 meters the deepest animal burrows dug by Nile crocodiles so the more down you go the more stuff you learn 42 meters is the deepest swimming pool it's a diving pool in Italy so just i just thought it was interesting That is interesting Yeah Yeah it's and it's,
0: it's an infographic but done right
2: Yeah, it takes a long time to scroll to the bottom and read everything. And it, it's kind of, you're like, wow, I didn't know it was that depth. And then, uh, you just, you keep on going. Uh, on the, it's like, it's one side is if you're going down that deep in earth and the other side is if you're going down that deep in water and And
0: eventually uh, you run out of water.
2: Right. So, but anyway, I just, I thought that would be cool. You know, we're we're all about educating and uplifting people's brains here as well as their spirits so uh what's the know, dotted line what what's which dotted line there's a dotted
1: line that follows the earth in the water and then it kind of swerves out like at 8 meters down you see a dotted line shoot out into the water a little bit and then it comes back into the earth
2: yeah so it's um, like a sine um, wave yeah who knows i, I don't know I, I just found the
1: graphic. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious because now I'm I'm seeing the wave and I want to know what it goes to.
0: Oh, anyway. uh, So that's cool. And c- congratulations, you've reached the center of the earth. At that point, you're not going down anymore. You're going back up.
2: Yeah, and, and it, it talks about like the pressure at the center of the earth is the same as 47,700 elephants balanced on your head weighing 334,000 <laughs> tons. So that's so it might be a little uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, just a might little bit. Be.
2: I mean, I've got a strong head because there's not much up there. Um, I might could take that.
0: Of course, they don't mention the fact that it, at that pressure, uh, nickel boils. So you know, there's there's that. It would be uncomfortable for a number of reasons. Right. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, well, at the bottom, don't get too comfortable. It's over six thousand degrees Celsius here. You were cooked long ago. So. <laughs> Uh, what, this is the part of the show where I
0: tell you how you can tell us what you think element use the contact us button at the top of the page. If you want to be like Dor and send us a voicemail, you can do that at five, five, nine. I am opie, or just send me a, an audio file of your choice. Try to keep it under three minutes, please. Um, two minutes is better. Uh, brevity is the soul of podcast comments. um, if uh, if you want to send us an email directly, EDL at com. If you want to support the show, uh, com slash Amazon, com slash Audible. If you want to get a free uh, audio book and send some money our way too, it's a win-win. Um, uh, patreon.com we've already talked about. But mostly just tell people about it, right? Uh, Greg, I believe it was his name, said that he found out about us because, no, it wasn't Greg, it was uh, Topi said he found out about us because somebody told him about the show we love hearing that tell your friends tell your enemies tell your enemies friends uh, about the show let them know uh, and what, whatever however you listen to it um, leave us a review in whatever uh, directory you use and and then go out of your comfort zone and leave us a review on iTunes because believe it or not still most of the world looks there and how are you going to convert those people from Apple to Linux if they don't know about bacon Uh so leave us a review there. Uh, as always, we thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, if you're if you if you ever want to check out the show, uh, seven thirty p.m. ish Eastern time on Sunday evenings, we're live at element, elementopi. slash live. We're also on YouTube. Uh, search for Mark Cockrell on YouTube. You'll find me there. And uh, and the shows go there. That's the unedited raw video uh, and audio. And then I make it pretty and take out some of the stupid stuff. Not all of it, because there wouldn't be much of a show who took out <laughs> all of it. Um, and then put that out. Uh, it comes out on our site uh, Wednesday nights, uh, Wednesday morning, uh, or midnight server time on Wednesday. So is that night or
1: morning? Probably depends morning. Depends on where you are, um, I suppose
0: so uh, that's how you can can get all our stuff thank you for listening Seth Chris as always uh, thanks for being a great host and here we are another show pushing two hours cool. uh, those of you who complained about the show not having enough content uh, this one's for you we actually cut about six news stories anyway just to keep it under two hours because uh, once you get us going it, we're just like a, a, a dynamo you wind us up and we get going <laughs> so thanks for being with us guys and I'm going to say that ends this episode of Everyday Linux.